So glad that you're here this morning. This is a, a big day for us. To, uh, we've made a little bit, bit of a change in, in our service times and things like that. And so thanks so much for being here. Um, we've got a barbecue immediately afterwards, and um, it's a great, uh, great showing for Labor Day weekend. So, so glad that you guys uh, came out today. Welcome to our college students. And uh, for those of you that are just checking us out who are not college students or just uh, hanging out with us, thanks so much for being here as well. I don't know what your upbringing was like, uh, whether you grew up in the church or whether you didn't grow up in the church, but I can tell you what mine was like as I grew up uh, uh, into a, a Christian home and in the church and, and through the, the confusion of walking through uh, what it looked like to be a, a young man who was a Christian. And as I was in the church, uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me on a regular basis was this feeling of there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this. There's got to be uh, something else uh, to this uh, to make this thing kind of uh, grab my soul and to grab my heart. I mean, there was a lot of things that grabbed my heart, but church was just not one of them many times. But I, I found myself in this place over and over again where I, I felt like I just I can't seem to figure out where I fit and I can't seem to figure out what this looks like. And because here's the thing about me, like I wanted to be somebody, like if I was going to be a part of it, like I wanted it to fully capture me. I wanted it to be something that was completely passionate and totally, and totally got me and totally brought me into this thing that, that I just, I loved. And I just wanted to be a radical disciple for Jesus Christ. I wanted to be somebody who was all in, or I wanted to be someone who was all out. If it was true, then I wanted to be totally into it, and if it's not true, then I want to be totally out of it. I just didn't want to be somebody who was going to be half in or half out, but as I looked around the church with my judgmental nature, I would look at the people around me, and I would say, man, uh, you're, you're a nice person, but it just seems like there's just not a whole lot going on inside of your head uh, for God. It doesn't really seem like this is something which has caused you to be passionate towards God. It doesn't seem like it's something that's really capturing who you are. And so I would be somebody who was even involved in ministry, and I would come to church, and I would serve I would lead worship, um, I, would, I would help lead groups, and I felt like we're just coming in and out the doors. We're just coming in and out the doors, and I'm not really seeing any change take place um, in my heart or the people around me. And so I felt like there was something that was drastically missing. And in large part, what I felt like was that there was this stagnancy to us. There was something going on in this a group of Christians that it was like it was always us and it was never them. It was like we were this stagnant pond that just there was just some water there that's come up out of the ground or maybe it rained but there's there's this pond and if you've ever seen that there's just there is just some some nastiness in there. I remember as a young man when I would go hunting uh, what they would tell you is don't uh, drink out of a stagnant pond. You need to drink out of a fresh stream, something that looks fresh. And even then it's a little dangerous. But so I would, I would uh, drink out of a, a fresh stream, but not out of a stagnant pond. But sometimes the church can feel like a stagnant pond. And the reason for that is this, is that there's no fresh water coming in. 
and there really is no water going out of this thing. And so it's the same thing, and it's the same group, and it's the same, and it's the same, and it's the same. But here's the thing. As I would read the scriptures and I would understand the scriptures, what I would find is that, man, there's something different. There's something different that's available to us. There's something more here that's available. And so uh, a little while later, I started a church, and you're sitting right now, and with the group of people that make up the church that I, uh, that I started with God's leading in my life. And so we, we began this church, and during this period of time in the church, there, was a lot, there were many threats towards good theology. Various authors writing books claiming to be Christians who were saying things that were way off the map. They were not in line with what the Bible has to say about who Jesus is, what he's done, his virgin birth. Uh, what God outlines uh, as guidelines for sexuality. And so I, uh, we, we started this church and we began this thing and we were heavy on theology, heavy on teaching. And we raised up a group of people and God, God was working in the lives of people and awesome things were taking place. And there's been so many of those days. And so we, we've started all of these community groups throughout the city that have done awesome things. There have been many different groups that at different times have done great things. But recently, I started a community group. I, I, I have started them before, and my community group was then multiplied into uh, many of the groups that you see today. But uh, I hadn't been leading for a while, and so I decided to, to start a community group myself, which means this. I opened up my home. We invited people into our house. And so we came together, and we got in my living room, and we started talking and we started talking over some questions that we handed, uh, well, I guess I handed to me, um, essentially. We, we create questions and we, we ask questions of our groups. And so we're sitting there and we're asking questions. And I don't know if you've been in the church for any amount of time. If you haven't, you're feeling a little lost right now. And I'm going to get to you in just a second. But we're sitting there and we're asking these questions. And, we're, and, we're, and they're, they're great questions. They're awesome questions that were written specifically about a fantastic sermon I preached the sermon, so I don't know if you, if you got that. So, uh, just kidding. We're talking about these questions. But here's what I'm thinking that I don't want to tell anybody, okay? Here, here's what I'm sitting there thinking. I'm sitting there with my Christian brothers and sisters, and I ask the question, and you know what? I know what you're going to say. I pretty much know what you're going to say. I have a pretty good idea. I've been around the block a few times. And you know what? If you've been around the block a few times with Christianity, you probably know what I'm going to say. We all know what each other are going to say. We're, we're going to ask a question and we're going to say, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, get, get closer to God. I really, I just got to make more time for that. You know, we just really need to be focused on this thing and, and that thing. And we're all just kind of like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. That's the end of group. Good group. Yes, yes. The, the definition of success in a church sometimes can be, did we talk? Did Christians talk? Did we have a, a good conversation? But really what's taking place there is what we oftentimes think is discipleship. We think that we're becoming more like Jesus while being there. Now, I don't want to totally discount the fellowship of the believers, but what I want to make clear is this, is that it's not only that. It certainly is that, but it's more than that. And so we're, we're hanging out together. We're, uh, you're, you're saying what I think you're going to say. I'm saying what you think I'm going to say. And we get to a point where I just got to this place where I just thought, I hate this. And I created it. 
I'm the one who made it. I'm, I, I, I didn't create the small group, but um, that was a few people before me. But I set up this system, and this system wasn't working for us. And so we began on this, on, this, on this new path where we said, okay, what's missing from our church that is causing us to be people who are just sitting in a living room and talking and occasionally serving in the community or occasionally seeing people come, come to faith? What's keeping us from being people who are truly outward? What's keeping us from being people that are truly outward with our lives? Where we're saying, I want to be a part of the community and I want to be somebody who's serving in this area. And so we started this whole process where we said, okay, we are now going to say, we're not hanging out in the living room. We might, go, we might hang out in there when it's raining or if, if there's nothing else we can do, but we're going to pray for how God would have us outside of the living room. How God would have us live outwardly. How God would have us be people who are not stagnant pawns but fresh flowing streams. How God would have us be people who are not just always practicing and never playing, but always playing and practicing along the way. Practicing as we're playing. We're playing, we're on the court, we're continually playing the game, we're continually in the game. That's the only sports metaphor that you're going to hear from me, all right? If you know me at all. We're always practicing, never playing. And so what we need to do is we need to reverse those things. And so God has put us on a new path as a church. And so we have a new series that we've just began, Live Life Outward. And this is a campaign to radically live on mission. To radically live on mission for our city, for the glory of God. How are we going to do that? Well, here's the thing. If, if Jesus doesn't have you, I mean, if Jesus doesn't have you in every aspect, like if Jesus doesn't have a hold of your heart, like if you don't understand that there's this incredible meaning and beauty that comes out of this great God and Savior, if you don't see it, you won't be somebody who's going to live an outward life. And you're going to be somebody who potentially could be always practicing and never playing. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you this, there's no joy in it. There's no joy in just always practicing and never playing. Because listen, the Christian life left to ourselves, left to bad theology, left to just doing our own thing and sitting in our living rooms, it is about me. The Christian life, if I continue in that, it's all about me. It's all about my needs and my hurts. It's all about the thing that I want. It's all about, hey, I've got another prayer request and I've got another prayer request. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for each other, but if it's only about me and my prayer request, then we've missed something. We've missed something that's, that's incredible. If you saw from Psalm 40 that we looked at earlier, he, uh, the, the psalmist says, uh, like, I, I'm experiencing this and many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord, he says in verse 5, I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more that can be told. There's this idea of, man, when I've experienced God, when I've truly experienced Him, like something captures my heart and it totally overtakes my life and it makes me about 
others. It makes me about other people. It redefines who I am. It completely changes who I am, and it causes me to be a different person. At Outward Church, we want to be people who are rejecting the lie that says this, that it's all about me. We're rejecting this idea that it's all about me, and we want to be, be, be people who are passionately living for Jesus Christ in the midst of a self-centered world. A self-centered world that says this, live for yourself, make yourself happy. Uh, there's a video I just posted, which is very funny. You should go to my uh, Facebook page. I won't show it right now. But uh, there's some bad theology on that video. I just posted it just recently. Bad theology on that video, and Bill Cosby sets them straight. You'll see what I mean. Um, but it's this lie that says, do good for you. Do good for your sake. Make yourself happy. But do you understand this, that that is the fastest way to make yourself unhappy? To constantly be focusing on yourself and to saying, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do that. And because it makes me happy, sin comes out of that. Sin hurts other people and it's against God mostly. And it separates you further from God. And so we need to be people who are on mission. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, when, as I was growing up as a child, I heard uh, these, these verses, uh, verses 8 and 9. Verse 10 was oftentimes chopped off the end of this. Verses 8 and 9 saying, it's all by grace. The way that you get to God, the way that you're saved is completely by grace. It's not by works. But then we lopped off verse 10, which said, but God has something for you. So what's the problem with why are we kind of lopping off that verse and saying, okay, I'm, I, I, it's all by grace and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to wait for Jesus to come back and I'm, I'm not really going to be focused on what God would have me do. I mean, what, what causes us to do that? What causes us to be people who are living in stagnant ponds and being okay with that? What causes us to be people who are self-centered oftentimes, and not really about God's mission, saying, I will proclaim what God has for me. I will proclaim the love that God has for his people. I will proclaim the forgiveness of God because he has lifted me up out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. What keeps us from doing that? I think there's a couple of things. Let me talk with you about those. There's a line of thinking here that if you miss it, you miss everything. There's grace, which leads to faith, 
which then leads to works. There's grace that leads to faith and then leads to works, but there's something that's missing in the middle there, which I will get to. The first thing is this, is the idea of grace. The idea of grace is something that is oftentimes lost on us. If you've been at Outward Church for any amount of time, what you must understand is this, is that if you do not get the bad news, if you don't understand the bad news, you will not understand the good news. The bad news is found in the previous verses in this passage, which talk about how we've been separated from God. Let me just briefly read a little bit. Ver, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You've been saved. Let me stop right there. What the author is saying here, what the Apostle Paul is saying is, is this, is that all of us were dead. All of us were dead. And it's as if God has come to us. And he's given us the kiss of life. He's given us the kiss of life. And he's woken us up out of a dead sleep. A, a spiritual deadness. Unable to experience him. Unable to connect with him. Unable to do anything in order to be received by God or to love him. And so there's this grace that comes and this grace like flows out. And what it means is this, is that we were threatened first. That there was this great threat that's hanging over us. And the great threat is this. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. We can only expect the wrath of God. But God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And he kisses us and he wakes us from this dead sleep. And what happens is that we begin to de desire something. We begin to desire something. We begin to say, I feel like there's more to life. I feel like there might be something to this God thing. I feel like church feels dead. I feel like I've just been going through the motions. I feel like I've been in the church all my life, but I've never really experienced God. You know what that is? It's the kiss of God's grace that's waking you up. It's the kiss of God's grace that's causing you to awaken to a reality who God is. And you go from somebody who perhaps has been in church all your life to saying, I never really knew God before, I think. And you may have known God, but I don't know. I'm not sure. All that matters is right now. Like, what is going on in your life right now? Are you awakened to the grace of God? Do you see the depths from where you've been taken? Do you see how God has lifted you up out of the miry clay? Do you see what he's done for you? Do you understand it? 
The grace of God is what causes us to say, but God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, and it's by grace alone that I get to be with him. I will proclaim to the nations. I will proclaim I'm going to worship him. I'm going to sing a new song. I'm going to love him, and life is going to be different. You can have that. Or you can be in a stagnant pond. You can have passion. Or you can be in a stagnant pond where you're, just, where you're just saying, I'm just going to church for a sermon occasionally. And I just do things occasionally because I feel guilty. Like in your heart of hearts, the way that you serve is flowing out of a heart that either has experienced grace or has not experienced grace. Do you have passion for God? Are you somebody who is radically on mission for Jesus Christ and his glory? Or are you somebody who's on a mission for you and for your glory? Because I want to tell you something, that I'm a pastor and I struggle just as much as you do. It is so hard to live for someone else's glory. But here's the thing, if you don't get grace, if you don't understand what God has done for you, if you don't get it, then you're going to miss it. Then you're going to miss it. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So what comes first is the kiss that brings us from death to life. It awakens us to this reality of saying, I need something else. I need something else. There's something else in my life that's missing. And it awakens us. And all of a sudden, there's this desire. There's this desire. It's what Tim Keller calls a consciousness. It's a consciousness that there is a God. You may even be saying to yourself, you know what? I want to believe in God, but I'm just having a difficult time doing that. Like, I want to desire in God. I want to desire Him but I'm just finding this place in my life where I'm just, I'm struggling with that. You know what? Do you know what you're experiencing? You're not experiencing a lack of faith. You're experiencing faith. You're saying, I'm struggling, and you call that faith? No, the fact that you can even want to have faith. The fact that you want to have faith means that you already have faith in a God. The fact that you want to believe in him means that something else happened to you previously. Because when the kiss of life comes and wakes us up from this dead sleep, what takes place is this. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but God fixes your wanter. It's not a word. It's not a word. I know. You Corbin English students are going, ah, uh, that's not a good word. Hey, listen, I think it is a word. Because here's the thing, there's this thing going on inside of me that was just like, I don't want to do what's right. I mean, if I'm honest right now, like, I don't really want to trust in God at this point in my life. I don't really want to trust Him. And so I came to this point where I said, God, if you want me, come and get me. If you want me, Come and get me. Come, come and take me out of where I'm at. And you know what happened? 
I'm sitting in a bar one night. I'm sitting around a bunch of people who are kind of my friends. And I find myself in this place where I go, this is the only place I've wanted to be. But today, I realize that this is not where I want to be anymore. The people that I'm hanging out with, the excesses that I'm taking alcohol to, the, my lifestyle, that's not what I want to be. And you know what I realized? In that moment, I realized I no longer want to do this. And I want to express faith in God through the way that I live. I want to trust him. And I found myself in this place sometimes where I was like, I started to take steps that way, but I, I, would, I really just, I just wanted to get down and dirty. I wanted to get uh, honest with God and say this. God, I don't want to trust you right now, but I think I want to want to trust you. I don't want to trust you, but I think I want to want to trust you. Do you know what that is? That's faith being honest, and it's saying, I have a consciousness of who God is, and I want to trust in him, but I'm finding it difficult. Do you know what? Your faith from the beginning, it was only by grace. God came into your life, and he gave you the kiss of life and brought you from death. And so you know what happens? Is that there are little experiences like that in your life where you're saying, God, would you awaken me again in this area of my life? And would you awaken me again in this area of my life, in this area? And what you're essentially saying is, is God, I don't want to follow you, but I want to want to follow you. Or you might have to go back a step further and say, God, I don't even want to want to follow you, but I want to ask you to make me want to want to want to follow you. Or you could go back even like five or six steps and you can say, I don't think I really want to 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 follow you. So God, because you're the one who by grace is the one who has given me the kiss of life when I was spiritually dead, and you're the only one who can change everything, would you cause me, I don't even know how many I did, so we're just going to guess, to want, 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 to follow you and to trust you, because that's what God can do in your life. And it causes you to go from somebody who's completely stagnant and completely dead and completely self-focused to being somebody who is fresh water and who's passionate for Jesus Christ. Do you want to live dead Christianity? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Because I want to tell you, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth it at all. In fact, Jesus says, you don't want to be lukewarm. You don't want to be lukewarm. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And just in case you're not sure, and this is not your own doing, get this. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, that's very key. God gives us something. And what does he give us? The next verse just goes hand in hand with this. It says this, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Now that word workmanship comes from the word poema. Or poi, poema, it's a Greek word. 
I don't know if I've impressed any of you, but uh, uh, that's what I was hoping would happen. So uh, I don't often do that because I think it's, um, yeah, never mind. The word, I mean, this is, this is fascinating. The word poema, I'm going to say it different every time, so just get used to it. It's where we get our word poem. Okay, so listen to this. Okay, this is good. This is really good, okay? For we are God's poem. We are God's work of art. We are God's artistry. When you're somebody who gets the kiss of life in the midst of spiritual death, and you're awakened to this passion, and you're awakened to this faith where you say, I want to, want to, want you, that whole thing, and you come to this place, what you also find out is this, is that there's an artist, in fact, he's the greatest artist that ever lived. There's this artist who is working on you. And he is creating something new. And he's creating this incredible masterpiece. But why do we miss this? Why do we miss this? Last October, in Central Park, on the edge of Central Park, there was a, a famous uh, graffiti artist by the name of uh, Banksy. And this guy, uh, Banksy, I, some of you may know who he is. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, so correct me later. Art majors, graffiti majors. Um, he, uh, he's a graffiti artist, and, and his artwork is expensive. Like, it is top of the line, right? I mean, his incredible new art. But last October, he uh, sets up this little shop on the edge of um, uh, Central Park, and he begins to sell his artwork. He had about a million dollars worth of artwork in this, in this little shop. And he's actually got a video of it just because he just wanted to, to do this, I guess. And he began selling his artwork for about $60. By the end of the day, I think he had sold to something like four people. There was some guy who was just, he, he's got a new apartment. He comes up, he's like, you know what? I just need something for the walls. Yeah, I'll take four of them. By the end of the day, this artist, Banksy, had sold about $225,000 worth of artwork. And the people who bought it had no idea. They had no idea what they had, that they had a masterpiece in their possession. They had no idea that what they're holding is worth thousands of dollars. Maybe $100,000 in the case of the guy who bought four. They were such expensive pieces of artwork. And yet he just let them go, and they had no idea that they had purchased it. Did you know that part of the reason why you miss what God has for you is you have no idea about the artist that he is? He's writing the poem of your life, and he's, he's, he's this artist who is doing incredible artwork, but the thing is, is that you come up and you ask for a bargain, or you come up and say, you know, I just have an apartment that I want to put it in. And you take, and you take this stuff that it gives you and, and you set it aside. 
And you may discard it, and you may get rid of it, or you may, you don't even know what's going on. You don't even understand the level of artistry that went into this. You don't understand who this guy is. Who is creating in you an incredible work? What's it say here? For we are his workmanship. We are his artistry. We are his poem. And we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But the reason why you miss it in the first place is because you've never seen who this God is. You never understood that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You didn't understand how you have offended the God of the universe. Some of you have grown up in church all your life and you've said, I'm a pretty good person. I don't really do bad things. But you've never read Ephesians chapter 2 as applying to you. And some of you are trying to uh, discover who God is in the first place. And, and you've gone on in your life for some time where you've said, life's okay, life is manageable, life is all of these things. But the thing that you're missing the most is that you, you've never seen how great this artist is because you did not understand what an incredible hole you were in. The depths of despair. You were in this mud and mire and clay and you could not get out and yet the God of the universe extends his hands and he picks you up and he sets your feet upon a rock. And what flows out of that is the person who sees that they've been brought out of this, the person that understands it says, I will proclaim because I see the artist and I see the beauty of what he's doing and I want him to create in me through Christ Jesus an incredible work in my life. I want him to do this in me. And so here's your response today. Are you always preparing and never playing as a Christian? Are you somebody who's sat in a stagnant pond as a Christian? Are you somebody who's never even awoken to the grace of God, and yet you've been in church all your life? Are you somebody who's never realized you needed the grace of God until perhaps today? Our God is a fantastic artist, and he creates great works of art, and it is a gift. You cannot purchase it. You cannot give him enough. He is not appeased with your sacrifice. He is only appeased as he gives you the desire to want to love him. And it's all of him. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of what you do so that no one can take credit. So that no one can boast and say, look at what I've done for God. Because of this, what we are is His doing. How we become more like God is His doing when we receive Jesus Christ by faith. See, Jesus went to the cross 
so that he could create an incredible work in you. Jesus was put under great pain and stress and ultimately through death so that you could experience the kiss of life. Jesus is the one who went to the cross so that you could fully experience him. And this morning, we're going to come together and we're going to go to the Lord's table. And we have it at different stations throughout the room. We have it right here. Right here, there's candles at each one of these stations. I see one right back here and there's one right back here. Just while we're worshiping together, we're going to come and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And if you're a believer here this morning, I invite you to participate in that. But what we do when we come together is that we say, thank you, Jesus, for being the one who causes me to have faith in you. Thank you for being the one who's doing a great and magnificent work in me and creating incredible artwork out of my life that was just a mess prior. And we say thank you for going to the cross for us and we confess our sins and we say, Jesus, please forgive me of this. And then we go to the table and we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That he went to the cross for us in our place. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I want to pray for those here this morning that have perhaps been in a place of complacency, stagnancy. Lord, I want to pray for those that have never known you before but are in here today and who are have been unaware. Lord, I pray that what's truly going on in their heart is the beginning steps of faith, that, Lord, they want to want to trust you. And so, Lord, we know that what that is, is that, that is, they can't want that without you having given that to them. So, Lord, we know that you're doing something in their life. And, Lord, I pray that they would respond in faith, in trusting you, in reading your word, and joining in community with your people. So, Lord, we praise you for what you've done, and this morning we ask that you would do uh, a great work in our church as, Lord, we learn to live life outward. It's in your name we pray. Amen.